My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless and determined. We fight for love, profits and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. We are going to talk about the internal change as a way towards external change. Because when we are able change, uh, to change from within, change happens outside. Until as recently as uh, 1998, most psychologists, physiologists and neuroscientists believe that our brain is basically fixed. We were born with a basic genetic endowment. Maybe until the age of three, as Freud argued, the brain changes. But after the age of three, it doesn't really change. It changes in that we lose brain cells, but that's it. This gave credence to the view that change is not possible because we could not even see it on our, in our brains. This scheme changed in 1998. Psychologists and neuroscientists, given the latest technology, illustrated that changes do happen in the brain. As long as we are alive, our brain continues to change. Three insights that are changing our world. One is neuroplasticity and neurogenesis. Neuroplasticity means the brain is a dynamic growing organ that continues to regenerate cells and change it throughout our lives. The brain has ability to reorganize itself by forming a new neural connections. Our brain keeps on forming new connections and new neurons are created over and over again. The second so concept is the social brain. We are hardwired for social connectivity and this need is a basic as food and water for our survival. And then the third one, balancing threat and reward. Our brains detect the threat and reward content of every experience we encounter, mostly subconsciously, and we behave in accordance with this assessment. The nature of change. For the last century, the accepted paradigm has been that the brain grows from birth until late adolescence and then it pretty much stops before commencing its steady decline. But that was until 1980s when groundbreaking experiments showed that the brain not only continues to change but actually regenerates and grows throughout our entire lives. You can in fact teach an old dog new tricks. It just has to want to learn them. <laughs> this finding initially had major implications for the treatment of patients with brain damage. Strokes or accidental injuries destroy vast tracts of neurons and results in serious physical and or mental impairment. Historically, treatment assumed that there was no way to restore or replace these functions. And rehabilitation worked around the problem rather than with it. The discovery that the brain not only generates new cells, but can massively redistribute existing networks, overturned conventional wisdom and changed the focus of treatment. 
Neuroplasticity and the social brain. Humans are social animals. Why might social factors be important to the understanding of a brain and mind? The human brain and biology have developed in a fiercely social world. Individuals who live in isolation are unlikely to survive and less likely to reproduce. As Spiegel in 2000 noted, we are fundamentally social organisms, our mythic rugged individualism notwithstanding. We are born to the most prolonged period of object dependency of any mammal. For the species to survive, the human infants must instantly engage their parents in protective behavior and the parents must care enough about their offspring to nurture and protect them. Even once we are not particularly splendid physical specimens, other animals can run faster, <laughs> see and smell better and fight more effectively than we can. Our major evolutionary advantage is our brain and the capability to remember, to plan, communicate and work together. Our survival depends upon our collective abilities, not on our individual might. Thus, it makes sense that our health may also depend upon our interactions with one another. Consider the following two scenarios. You trip and fall hard on your elbow, grazing the skin raw as you skid across the footpath. First shock, then pain receptor starts shooting unmistakable messages to your brain. Your skin is burning and bloody, the bone bruised and swelling, your heart is racing, your breathing heart almost nauseous. It is the normal response to acute physical pain. Another scenario, you arrive at work function keen to liaise with senior executives and edge closer to that C-level promotion. You wander up to the CEO who is a, in a friendly conversation with one of your colleagues. Their conversation stops and you approach. You sense their discomfort at your arrival and within moments the CEO excuses himself and moves off to another group, barely making eye contact with you. Recent research shows that the stinging social pain you experienced in the latter scenario is the same as the physical pain you felt on your fall in the former scenario. In the brain, the same pain regions are activated. Pain is pain! So much so that in studies comparing physical and social pain, pain inhibitors such as aspirin were shown to have the same easing effect on social pain as physical pain. What does it mean? When we threaten our colleague's social standing or social self-perception, we inflict pain that to the brain feels the same as a painful physical encounter. Ouch! But there is more. There is even more. In 1992, Italian neuroscientists working with monkeys discovered mirror neurons. They noticed that the same neurons were firing in a monkey's brain when it observed a researcher eating a banana, as when the monkey was eating the banana itself. Can you imagine? So they call these mirror neurons because they mirror the actions of someone else by reenacting them as thought they were doing them, like you were the mirror. These fascinating researchers, because of its implications for understanding how we relate and empathize with one another and how we communicate. 
These findings show that our need to understand, connect and engage with others is hardwired into our makeup. We couldn't switch it off if we tried. We reflect it in facial gestures. A smile begets a smile. A frown begets a frown. We mirror others' posture, usually subconsciously, and this builds stronger empathy. Balancing threat and reward. We can thank evolution for equipping us with the best possible adaptive brain circuits to ensure our survival. We have very sophisticated neural systems designed to identify any threat to our existence and respond to it instinctively with a well-known fight and flight freeze response. Very good for keeping you alive in the jungle. This is very good. And also very useful for sensing danger without even being consciously aware of it. It is why thriller movies work so well at marshalling our innate abilities to sense and respond to dangerous situations. Modern dangers can take more abstract forms and as we have already seen, may take shape of psychological interactions with our work colleagues rather than threats to our physical safety. This ability to very quickly sense and assess danger is one of the primary drivers and skills of our brain. The other is seeking reward. In the absence of any threat of danger, we search for ways to increase the rewards. Rewards to the brain are anything that improves our situation either physically or mentally. Do you have trouble reaching your goals? I have a surprise for you. Download my free ebook Goal Setting for Warriors at www.warriorfamily.com and you will know how to set, plan and reach even your biggest goals. Food, water and sex are good ways to tap into physical reward. A bar of Belgian chocolate, iced water after a long run or a passionate kiss will each give you a nice burst of the neurotransmitter called dopamine, which is your brain's way of saying, oh, that's good, more of that, please. Psychological rewards work in a similar way. A smile from someone important, receiving praise or thanks, your own satisfaction with a task well done. All trigger dopamine, re dopamine release and you get the warm, satisfied feeling. Both threat and reward are primary motivators. We avoid threats and we approach rewards. This becomes a fundamental premise in understanding what is driving behavior in the workplace. Importantly, the science behind these factors is showing us how we can use them to become better managers, better leaders, and even better human beings. What does our brain look like? It is made up of a neural pathways and thin and thick channels. It is like a river, channels in nature. There are narrower rivers and wide rivers, and the brain is structured in the same way. And how are channels created? Through experience. If I go through the same experience, the same behavior, for example, memorizing the map of London or practicing the violin or studying Braille, those channels associated with that kind of learning become thicker, wider. These neural pathways are self-reinforcing. 
This means that once a channel is thick, it is more likely to attract action and behaviors. And that makes it become thicker. And in this way, newer pathways, channels are self-reinforcing. The more we do something, the more we think in a certain way, the more we behave in a certain way, the wider that neural pathway is and the more likely is to become even wider. Because it attracts the behavior and the thoughts just as wide as rivers are more likely to attract water, thick neural pathways are more likely to attract particular thoughts and behaviors. Which explains why habits are fortified neural pathways. We can see them in our brain. What we see is associated with the habit is a, with that habit is a series of channels associated with that habit. Like a tennis stroke. We do it 10,000 times and as we do it more and more time, the channel becomes wider and wider and after a while we do it automatically. Subconscious, its meaning and its features. The brain activity can be thought of as an iceberg. We can imagine the small portion of activity that is available for awareness and self-observation as the tip of the iceberg. The remaining part of the activity that we are not aware of is the submerged portion of the iceberg and is most certainly our subconscious. According to Stan Dehane, our brain at any given time is processing an immense amount of information and not all of it is a broadcast to the brain's processing circuits at all the time. It can link to a room full of people at a certain time, but not all of them get to the hold to the microphone and host the show or make announcements. Conscious can be thought of as an information that is projected and elaborated widely across the brain's neural circuits and all the background impulse that there is, is the subconscious. Which neurons participate in the interlinking of thought varies from time to time. To put it more simply, subconscious is everything that goes on in our mind and we are not aware of it. Amygdala and the subconscious mind. Our amygdala is strongly related to our subconscious. It processes various emotional, fearful and anger-provoking situations that ever occurred in our lives and then uses them to link our subconscious in situations that are somehow related to our past experiences. These memories are not consciously accessible. It must be clarified that the Amygdala does not think or it does not contribute to the thought process as such. It simply replaced past emotional, fearful or anger-filled moments. The limbic system and the prefrontal cortex have a complex interplay in planning, steering and shaping our behaviors and drivers. There are four key concepts that we need to be mindful of when we consider subconscious as our subject matter. First key concept is the subconscious only processes sensory and emotional inputs. It is totally blind to the verbal part of information or verbal commands. What it does is that it combines the sensory part of the information that could be visual, oral, oral, tactile or olfactory with a certain emotion at that point of time and saves it in the memory attic as an imprint. The second key concept is 
our subconscious is unable to separate facts from fiction. It only perceives things as real. Consider the example of a really scary movie. Many times it so happens that we are not able to sleep after watching it. It is because took the information, took the information provided in the movie as real and created an imprint of it in our mind and now it acts to put us in a flight or fight situation and forbid, forbids us to sleep. The third key concept is the subconscious takes all information as now and does not understand past or future. For instance, you picture a delicious dish that you had at some point in the past. Your subconscious picture it as it was when you ate it. It brings the feeling, the aroma as it was before. It takes you back to the same time. Soon, however, the conscious mind takes over and you get back to reality. The subconscious, however, shows no difference of past or future. It just reflects the same imprint. In 2017, I gained around 3.2 million followers on social media. I earned more money than ever and got so many new opportunities. If you want to know how you can do that, download my free manual Social Media Warrior at www.warriorfamily.com. And the fourth key concept is our subconscious ignores negation. It interprets I do not want as I do want. It imprints things as it wants. We cannot imprint the not of something, so we have to be sure of what exactly we want, not what we don't want. Our subconscious as a communicator. Our subconscious pretty much dictates who you are. The concept of self-image has to be understood here. Often over years and decades of our experiences, gains and losses force our subconscious to create a self-image of ourselves. This self-image basically comprises of all the imprints that our subconscious stores in the memory attic over longer periods of time. Together, these imprints dictate to us where we stand in our lives. A positive imprint collection in the subconscious would make us have more confident and productive self. On the other hand, a negative set of imprints would cause us to think of ourselves as having less potential than we actually do and this can often be a limiting factor in our achievements in life. Our subconscious can influence our environment and circumstances. All the communication we do is through the exchange of energy. Our subconscious can affect our environment indirectly by linking this, the self-image of the energy stored in our imprints and has a direct effect on our circumstances. The environment then reinforces our imprints and the presenting events that fulfill the requirements of expectations of our self-image. To exemplify the above-mentioned statements, we must take into account that sometimes, while doing our daily stuff, we are caught up in some other bothersome thought because it in one way or uh, the other holds importance in our life. It is important. What happens 
is that this whole being caught up drives us away from the task we were originally performing and we end up being in the thought zone somehow or even performing the task we were thinking of. So sometimes in life when you feel like you have stalled somewhere and you need to move ahead to greater heights of success and achievements, your negative self-image could be the hidden barrier between you and your success. An attempt to remove that negative image and creating and exercising new imprints can enable you to reach your desired goals. The subconscious has the ability to recognize imprints as relevant or irrelevant. It basically uses three primary, primary criteria to weight an imprint as relevant or irrelevant. Does that imprint relate to the present circumstances? The second is... Is that imprint being reinforced recently or repeatedly? The third, does that imprint possess a strong emotional content? The latter two criteria have a very potent role in the process of affirmative remodeling as these criteria have the ability to directly influence the conscious thinking and working ability. By giving certain imprints more reinforcements, Repeated revisions and more emotional importance, we weigh them as more relevant and also allow them more influential capability, thus pushing the old imprints further down the memory drain. I will tell you how to do this affirmative modeling, more conveniently put as bridging the gap, is a concept that is based on several discoveries on neuropsychology and quantum physics. It is a much elaborated set of instructions that enables us to look forward and act towards our desired and achievable goals in a positive way. Affirmative means positive and target-oriented and modeling means shaping something or an image to one's own liking. The different steps involved in, uh, in, in affirmative modeling will be described in detail. However, a brief review of science of subconscious is also necessary. Steps in affirmative modeling. Just like an architect who lays the foundation of a new house, building or a museum and it brings it to reality, a mathematician who comes up with a new set of equations to solve a problem at hand, affirmative modeling enables us to create a new self-image and then bring that self-image to realization. Let's just revise the elements involved in affirmative modeling. An imprint that is defined as sensory input together with an emotional stimulus. The subconscious is unable to differentiate facts and fiction. To our subconscious, everything is in the present or now. There is no past or no future. The subconscious ignores negation. The repetition of an imprint makes it more relevant. The stronger the emotion associated with an imprint, the stronger is its influence. Our self-image is a total of all relevant imprints and communicates directly with our environment. We can create new positive imprints in our lives and push the old negative ones further down the subconscious ranks and actually see better results in our lives. 
Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing, and sales strategies, confidence boosters, and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smillion Mori, YouTube and Facebook, Smillion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter, Smillion Mori, and LinkedIn, Smillion Mori.